And we are recording. Uh, welcome back to another episode of MRP. As always, I'm Daniel. And I am your other host, Jose. So today we are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yes. yes. I forgot my, ge- my, my United <laughs> States ge- geography for a second. <laughs> so uh, we are with Kevin Campbell as well. What's up, you guys? Um, and we have Justin Banforth in the room. Hello. So we're continuing our conversation with Justin Banforth today on uh, the paranormal, um, particularly in his book. He is the author of The Spectrum, Glimpses of the Paranormal Encounters with the Strange. Um, a little recap as well for anybody who may be uh, just tuning in for the first time to this episode. We do have a part one um, with Justin. If you guys would like to um, listen to that first, it maybe it would make more sense. Uh, we're going to post a link to that as well. So um, a recap of who Justin is as well, just for the audience. He is, of course, the author of The Spectrum, Glimpses of the Paranormal and Encounters with the Strange. He uh, has been exploring the paranormal phenomenon, the UFO topic, uh, Men in Black, MIB, and uh, other areas of high strangers for about, what was it, two decades? Yeah. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Wow. Been doing and this he, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he lectures on that subject and collaborates <laughs> with researchers all around the world. And he has a website known as uh, Normal Paranormal, where he contributes his findings, to, uh, if you guys want to check that out as well. And he, uh, one thing I failed to mention last time, he, he does a lot of numerous uh, writing um, endeavors. So you do like screenplays, poetry, song lyrics, and essays? Yeah. Yep. Okay. A little bit That's of actually really interesting. I'd like to get into <laughs> that because, I mean, I'm actually studying like to write a screenplay and things like mm. that too. Yeah. So I'd like to talk to you about that. That could be off the record, but you know, yeah, no, I, I always definitely. like talking to writers and seeing how, you know. I'll tell you what the, the hardest part is just writing that first one. That's yeah, that's really, because I have like, <laughs> like I'm so scattered brain with a bunch of different ideas and it's just hard. That's why I like talking to, like talking to other writers to see what their artistic like process is, just so I can get kind of gripped on to like a format and things like that but but we can talk about that later you know (laughs) yes we got business to take care of right right (laughs) um so back to kind of where we left off um i wanted to one one thing i did not get to talk to you about uh, last time was uh the millers yeah that was a really strange story like how did you even like contact with those people So Lawrence Miller, as he's referred to in the book, that's not his real name, Mm -hmm. but um, he had originally found my site, normalparanormal.org, and um, at the time when I was first getting the site started, um, I put a a notice out just to to my readers to kind of submit stories or articles or um, maybe they had like insight that they wanted to share and I Mm -hmm. post up the article. So um, Lawrence contacted me and he said, "Um, yeah, I have a story to share. I used to live in a haunted house. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get into it, right? Right. So he emailed me a little little synopsis of what had happened, and um, it was very, um, very general. It, it didn't get into specifics. Okay. Um, but I knew that there was more to it, but he just didn't, at that time, he didn't want to share it. He didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened is I posted the, um, the article up, and people loved it. They read it. They wanted to know more. So I contacted Lawrence. I said, hey, I know there's more to your story. Um, would you feel comfortable talking about it? I'm working on a book now. I'd love to include you in it. He's like, yeah, no problem. So we exchanged numbers. I called him up and um, he gave me the whole detail, which you're reading now. Yeah, Jose. yeah, um, yeah. It's really interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like 90% through with it. It's like mind blowing. Yeah, I'll tell you, when I was reading that, um, 
I was uh, I think I was up here as well. I was actually in Maryland. Um, <laughs> just because uh, we're so close, I remember I was I was reading this in Maryland, and I was at this person's house, and it was kind of like dark. <laughs> I was reading it at night, which I should not have done. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and I was just like, oh my god, it just gave me like chills. It, 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 it just cringing i was just like oh my god i can't believe this actually happened to him well i'll tell you what when he was telling me the story of what he mm-hmm. had experienced um well first off let me say a lot of people think it's cool to live in a haunted house right when you right. hear his account it's not cool Mm-mm. it like destroyed his life it literally um destroyed his whole family and um they ended up moving away from the house um back to texas where they came and um thankfully nothing had followed him but it had chased him out and then he did some history on the house um and it turned out that he his family was the longest family that had stayed there. Like, wow. Yeah, which I think what? was either like two or three years they were in the house. But oh um, everybody God. else before them was only like a year or so. And they had all experienced like the same thing or like similar well, things Well, he's not house. sure because no one wanted to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember. But, but just in, then, those are like in, red flags, right? Like that's oh, like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the story, it says that he tried to contact the previous people mm-hmm. and they just like ignored him. Yeah. They gave him like um, some excuse or something or other. That it, it's very interesting. Yeah, they probably just didn't want to relive that whole right. scenario again. And it's funny you should bring that up because um, recently, so I, I've scheduled some talks and some lectures in the future, and I reached out to Lawrence and I said, hey, do you happen to have any photographs of the house so I could put in my presentation or whatnot or anything at all? And he sent me a few, and um, I have the address of the house. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go there at some point. I'd like oh to just God. check it out. I also want to, I'm going to send the, whoever lives there now, I'm going to send them a letter mm-hmm. just to say like, hey, um, if you are encountering any certain weird wow. things, I'd love to get in touch with you and just see where it goes, right? You never know. But um, he sent me some photos and they're very dark photos. And he told me that in that house, um, there wasn't much light coming in. It was always dark there for some reason. So it's really interesting. I, you know, again, I don't know if that's something paranormal. Right, but, right. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. With stories like these that come to you, and, and we, we talked about, you know, your process and for investigating um in in the previous episode how did you what made you like believe him or how did you did you feel like it was like very authentic or wasn't anything that was like just kind of well here's the thing when somebody shares a story with me um i don't know Mm -hmm. if they're telling the truth right 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 Right. um if they're gonna tell me a false story well then that's something that they have to live with um but a lot of times, whatever it is that they experienced, they believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. And now I wasn't there to say otherwise. Okay. I wasn't there to support their claims. I can just listen. But when you start to listen to some of these people and in their tone of voice and in just how they're telling the story, you can see how they're, well not see, but you can hear how they're like reliving the experience. And with Lawrence, it was the same thing. He was having a tough time telling me about all these details. I mean, he was, he really, this really bothered mm-hmm. him. Um, and that's why I like to keep the conversation open with, with people, because I know that just because they're sharing something with me at one particular point doesn't mean that that's everything, right? Um, they're just show, usually they're sharing with me the, um, the highlights of the story or maybe what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I just say, okay, well, let's just keep a conversation open. And then maybe a couple of days later, they'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot to mention this or, oh yeah, you know, I never thought about this angle. Um, this just happened recently with, um, another person in the story like gary sudbrink and his family but we can get into that later yeah. if you want. okay so um in situations like that i'm i'm just wondering from you uh i, I know you're not like a like a witch doctor or like <laughs> a priest or anything like that <laughs> no. you know but do, do you think that could have been avoided in any sort of sense or like should a person kind of consider 
like a cleanse of, of, mm-hmm. of you know Ooh, like the whole yeah. like sage thing like <laughs> yeah or something like that's that that's actually or, talked yeah. about in this uh <laughs> in this story about how they tried the sage thing but it just got worse oh yeah. okay and that happens a I lot don't. of times mm-hmm. people um they either see a story or they see something in the movies like oh yeah sage will work right mm-hmm. and then they just smudge their house or whatever <laughs> and a lot of times it makes it worse because okay. there's a certain technique um there's a certain protocol that you have to follow or at least what i've been told um with smudging and with the sage and such and if you don't follow it just right it can just enhance these things it's it's almost like um you know when they say about like demon possessions they say that you have to do it the exact way otherwise you know it could like bounce back onto you and become like 10 times worse than yeah oh yeah that's true it's like you gotta have that that faith and that um that you gotta believe in yourself that you can yeah well here's here's an interesting point kind of like jumping off of that um again this is not an exact science yeah we don't know what it is that we're dealing with so who's to say that following proper technique or protocol will do anything at all (laughs) could it be that maybe the people doing it believe in it so strongly that therefore it is you Mm -hmm. know um this these phenomena whatever they are um there's a connection to us and it's almost like the more we believe in it the more tends to happen or the more we fear it the more the stronger it gets Mm -hmm. it's really strange right this is a very complex human phenomenon um and i think a lot of people forget that aspect yeah and i mean i always kind of took it as maybe like what if it's not even something that does work what if it's just again our you know human nature trying to you know oversimplify and generalize what we think is happening right and like we're like oh you know, I saw a chair fly across the room mm-hmm. automatically. It's a ghost. Let's put salt on all the doors. You know, things like that. Like, it's, <laughs> right. it's like, yeah. I th- and you know, that's probably another reason why it doesn't work because, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the phenomenon is, you'd be like, uh, no, you're dumb. You've seen way too many <laughs> movies, like something like that. And I mean, I don't know. I just, it, it, cause like you said, it's not an exact science. Yeah. And, like I mm-hmm. always just want to grasp onto logic and like want to hold on to something that's, sure. that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's hard to say that, oh, yeah, this is going to work or, oh, this is not going to work because I've heard blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that's a lot of like a lot of investigators and researchers fall into that trap, too, because they want to apply their own logic or their own understanding of the phenomenon and how it operates, how they've been led to believe it operates. Mm -hmm. But that does a disservice because clearly this is operating not within human logic, but Mm -hmm. outside of it. Exactly. And um, we, we, we need to stop approaching it in such a linear way you know and just like you know ghosts are spirits of dead people and aliens are from above well not necessarily <laughs> right right um it could be maybe sometimes but, sometimes it's like our own logic can just fail us and our own logic can lead us astray um because it's like we think it's it's well, it's what we know and because we, we, we're <laughs> arrogant because yes. humans are so arrogant that we just think um, that we know everything yeah it's like well i we i, prove I know about like this and i'm i'm kind of guilty of that because sometimes i'm like well i've done this kind of like that and then it's like no it's actually like a, a little different um that's how what happens to me at work <laughs> but uh, i'm glad that you also mentioned that um that it's the human perception because i'm, I'm wondering as well in, in the book you mentioned of stress and like supernatural abilities and, right. and like how a poltergeist can kind of be a result of um just kind of like i guess the energy of people mm-hmm. um what uh what exactly uh, how, how does that work exactly or what, what do you find about that so what found about that? what's interesting about the poltergeist phenomenon is it is um it's definitely tied to what we refer to as poltergeist agents mm-hmm. um there seems to be an individual or individuals at the center of the activity 
And when you remove them from the environment, the activity either subsides or stops altogether. You bring them back in and it starts to kick up again. Now, this phenomenon will um, exist for a period of time, and as quickly as it came, it then will just leave. And nobody knows for certain what is causing it, but Mm -hmm. what is also driving it out. The poltergeist thing is very interesting. Now, a lot of researchers have thought that maybe it's tied to... um, to hormones, right? So like a lot of like um, preteens are going through, you know, changing bodies and all this stuff. And maybe Mm -hmm. that is what's leading or contributing to this. However, that's not always the case because then you have adults who are experiencing poltergeist activity. When you start again, focusing less on the, um, the experience and start focusing on the experiencer, there's a little clues that seem to pop up. And one of these clues is stress, Um, stress in all these different regards. Like it could be that maybe the individual the center of all the activity is experiencing some mental anguish or some emotional instability or it could be you know physical abuse too there's all these factors that right. kind of contribute to this and when i was working on the spectrum i started to um come to this conclusion when i was interviewing um, some other individuals who were having stressful situations and they were affecting um electronic instruments um, i remember that yeah. yeah i remember that in your book yeah right and one of them was my ex-wife and um you know, I saw these firsthand, like things would just fail on her. Wow. And what's interesting about that too is when you go back to the Lawrence Miller case, he was also experiencing that as well. Yeah. Now, he was undergoing a lot of extreme stress at that time. Could stress play a part into it? Possibly. I mean, again, we have to consider all these angles. There are no definite answers here. Yeah, because when I think about that, he's like, Sometimes I can rush through things and I stress myself out and then things just fail miserably for me at times and like I forget things and then it's like I, I realize that okay take it take it slow you know mm-hmm. calm down and you know take your time with it and then it's like the results are better yeah so that's kind of how it could happen it's like somebody's just so stressed and overwhelmed that it's like they're they're just causing their own uh, issues with with the phenomenon yeah <laughs> well, it could be. It's like the same thing, like, you know, when you're having a bad day, mm-hmm. everything seems to get progressively worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, that's so you know like, it, yeah. it's it's because of the way you're reacting to things that's causing this. Right, right. You know, so <laughs> I think that's very much a part of, like, the way we react to other, you know, things that happen is we, it, the way that we're feeling and the way that we are reacting to it has an influence on how it affects us or how we perceive it to affect us, you know? And actually, uh, backtracking a little bit, um, I actually didn't tell you about the, t- you guys about this because I, I just remembered it right now. Um, <laughs> there we go. It's something that, that I wanted to ask you last time, but I totally, cause I was just so like intrigued last time, but it's something that's been on my mind and it's kind of, um, talking about the same thing. So, um, again, sorry for not letting you guys know before. That's all good. <laughs> okay. So I have, You're uh, fired. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're fired. I have a coworker and, um, well, all of my coworkers, they're, they're originally like from Mexico. And so, you know, we got to talking around the Halloween season. We were talking about, um, you know, cemeteries and things like that. My, um, one of my coworkers, he would say man like here you can walk through a cemetery at night and it's nothing you know but like over in mexico you can't do that because you go through the cemeteries and you like see stuff and like all this stuff and i'm like okay what does geography have to do (laughs) with how you know 
things happen because I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that okay the cemeteries here for whatever reason don't have these same spirits or these same things that these uh, spirits that live in Mexico and I spoke to all my coworkers, and they were all saying the same thing like they were asking us like hey would you go to a cemetery at night in Mexico they're like dude no like because they know what happens and things like that and I'm just like but that doesn't make sense to me why is geography so important there so I got to thinking that maybe it's um, like the same thing it's a cultural belief that has made it like so strong that it does manifest as you know physical you know things or seeing things and and it's not i don't think it's because you know there are ghosts here and they're not ghosts in america it's probably just because you know everyone there believes it so and they're so tied into the culture of the afterlife and of you know spirits and you know creepy cemeteries that it it becomes part of the culture so when people have these stories that you know they believe 100 it's because it probably is so because of the way the culture believes and things like that do you think that that's some that like to a certain level having all of those you know energies for lack of a better word connecting and making something stronger than we have here See, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because it just reminded me of um supernatural <laughs> you you've seen supernatural right yeah. and okay there's a there's an episode where I think they call it a topa i can't i can't remember exactly but there's like this sort of like the, the story was like uh there's like a house there was like a haunted um, a haunted house and it was like this guy was coming through with like a chainsaw killing people like almost like a ghost and there was like these symbols there that were feeding that story because people would come through and and tell what they saw and then it would just get fed and fed and fed mm-hmm. and fed and it would become real um, so I feel like maybe something along the lines of that. Is but. that the one where the little kid, um, like the teddy bear kills a lady because he heard a no, story about no, a killer teddy bear? No, It's I don't not think that so. episode? No. Like the Todd, the little kid who's like, kneel before Todd. It's I not think, that one? No, no. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> Justin, what's your response to that? Just, sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> I, I can't top the teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> but nope. yeah, it's like like do you know is that a thing like the more that we feed it it makes it real yeah so there's a couple of thoughts with that um when you get into like negative cases like like negative haunting cases and demonic type stuff um a lot of times um these entities feed off of fear um and it has led us to believe that perhaps they're parasitic in nature so um because if you think about what they're um their agenda is is just to strike fear into people. It's just to cause chaos, just to destroy. Um, and people get really afraid. And it could be that this kind of like um, helps grow this energy. Again, this is all speculative. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that maybe when they're in that mindset of being afraid that it is further projecting this energy. Um, again, we could think about it like maybe these entities have come in from an outside source or maybe they're coming in from an internal source within us and we're projecting it out kind of like a tulpa, right? Right. So what a tulpa is, it's kind of like a thought form. Um, I know it like ties into like uh, shamanic tradition and such. And they would like create these thought forms that would eventually take on a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And what I find really interesting about that is even today, I think maybe this same concept is um, is going on. Um, remember when uh, Slender Man 
Oh, oh yes, I remember yeah. that. Dude, I was obsessed with that, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very, I mean, this is a fictional character. Yeah. doesn't exist, right? No, no, of course. And yet, here you have um, a big group of people kind of helping to perpetuate this myth, right? They're talking about stories of Slender Man and Slender Man does this. They're essentially creating a tulpa, if you think about it. They're creating this being. Yeah, that is true. Then there's a certain part where some of the people start to actually see Slender Man. And now you hear these reports. Far and few in between, but enough to kind of like get your attention. Then you have reports of um, kids who are um, killing for Slender Man. That's wild. There was, I heard yeah, I did, yeah, I did. I did hear about that. Yeah, that no, I never heard of that. Creepy. Wow. Yeah, these two girls, yeah. they um, yeah, they wanted to uh, to stab their friend as kind of like a sacrifice to Slender Man to make him happy. Now, why would they do that, right? Are they both insane? Possibility, but they're both they both have this strong feeling. Um. I think there may have been some other cases along those lines, but anyways, um, you have this big group of people that are kind of like feeding into this energy. Could they be creating it in a way? Um, and I think it's interesting because again, when we look at the poltergeist phenomenon, right? So again, what I said in the early part is um, a lot of researchers think it's tied to like preteens, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of hormones are aging. Well, a lot of the people perpetuating the Slenderman myth are preteens. So could it be that maybe they have this energy that they're contributing to? Again, all speculation. Yeah. But now you have, um, we kind of have like a modern day oral tradition, right? Because like back then, right. <laughs> people would just tell these stories around like campfire, right? But now you have social media that has created this. And it's allowed it to just kind of like fan the flames in like a rapid rate. So oh, yeah. now mm-hmm. it can reach more people, maybe grow in strength. Again, yeah. it's just thoughts, yeah. right? Another example of this would be the creepy clown phenomenon. Remember oh, that? Man. Oh my God. People yeah. dressing up and Dude, just like yeah. scary. Oh, so oh people all over man. the country were seeing these things and yet they never really caught anyone. Yet there were so many of these instances. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this could have just been something. And it just ended really quick too. It's yeah. right? it just like part of 2016. Yeah. It's it just right. like, bam. It, it ended just as quickly as it started. Now I had interviewed um, a woman who lives in Philadelphia. She was a teacher at the time, or she still is. And her school was on lockdown as a result of this. All the, a lot of the kids saw the, this clown out in the, the field. They locked down the, the whole school and it was a big thing. This happened, I heard about this all over the country. And yet they never found anyone. Right. How can this be? Could it be that maybe the phenomenon is tied to us? Maybe we're, the, the fear is kind of like perpetuating these things to manifest and exist. It's weird stuff, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. a that's you know, a really good way of putting it. Because I think with the um, with the clown thing, though, it might be a more sort of literal, you know, take on it. Because, um, like you said, with social media being around, there are a lot of people who see these things and who sort of give it their own take. Like I think, because when I first started seeing the things about the clowns, like I'd see the videos and like the people running away from them or whatever, and I'm like, okay, these are just people pulling pranks because right. That's you know, what I thought. Yeah. Or yeah, like, exactly. or this is a marketing scheme because the new It movie's coming out. Like, blah, <laughs> yeah, blah, blah. That is true. Um, but there were, <laughs> I mean, in some cases it was just like people, you know, playing yeah, jokes. Course, yeah. But there were some instances where people would, you know, it looked like they had violent intent and things yeah. like that, and. I mean, yeah, I think it stopped when, you know, the police started getting involved because, right. they, you know. And why would they get involved with something that was just a hoax, you know? I exactly, mean, there's just, yeah. and if you think about the uh, the image of a clown, it's one of the most feared things, right? Dude, yeah. Yeah. So now it just further yeah, adds yeah, to this. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Now, again, if you think about this on a global scale, 
what's to say that the UFO phenomenon isn't the same thing? You know, True. what's to say that these ghosts aren't um, appearing as the classic archetype as like, you know, a woman in a flowing dress. How many stories do you hear of that, right? Um, could it be that maybe this is a projection of, of our consciousness or, or something that's tied to us? Again, this is just how we have to approach the phenomenon from all these different angles because we don't know what it is. Just because it's appearing as one thing doesn't mean that is what it is. It's almost like, have you ever seen the movie Pole? No. <laughs> it's like, it's oh, sorry, the alien one? one? Yeah, the yeah. alien yeah, one. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's a scene in the movie where, you know, when they first see Paul, they're like, you can't be an alien. You look too obvious. And it's like, there's a reason <laughs> for that because for the last like 60 years, like you guys have been plastering my face like on everything. So, I mean, <laughs> things like that. I mean. Right. Oh, know. my God. But that hilarious. doesn't explain some of these cases where the individual has no preconceived notion yeah. of what they're seeing. And yet it's showing up as, as this similar thing, the similar image that's seen worldwide. And that's where you got to be like, okay, there's there's some patterns here that, you know, that obviously there's something there. Yeah. You know, to quote Supernatural, uh, Bobby Singer, he, he has this line that I really love. He's like, I, I, there's a lot, I believe in a lot of things, but coincidence isn't one of them. Oh, like, yeah. So yeah. When, a lot, when you see that pattern, like there's got to be something there. It can't just yeah. be all these people conspiring like as a joke or whatever. You yeah, especially because a lot of these people don't even know each other. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you hear a lot of these like different stories that all kind of sound alike. And it's like, you know, one's happening in California. One's happening in like Florida, you know, like it's like these similarities are just like uncanny. You know, it's just weird. This phenomenon is very, very strange. <laughs> yeah. That or it's just people just like to follow the trends and just you know follow whatever that person's doing oh maybe well they're doing it maybe i can ride the bandwagon so to speak you know <laughs> and i bet yeah. you see i bet you see a lot of that too right well i mean again you can't really go in you know knowing for sure if it's fake or not but I, i'm i'm guessing you do see a lot of that sort of oh yeah there's things that are a little too like unbelievable yeah. or you see the way that somebody is talking about it and you know, you can kind of see the inflection where it may not be, you know, yeah, yeah, there's things like that. Yeah. And, you know, aside from hoaxes and fake reports, I mean, yeah, I get a lot of that, too. I mean, there's little signs that I've uh, been trained to, like, look for. Um, and, you know, they're, you know when it's going to be yeah, a hoax story. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but sometimes absolutely. the people, they have already formed their opinion. They know what it is that they saw. So, um sometimes the extreme belief is just as bad as a hoax because there's nothing you can say to them. Yeah. They know that this was the ghost of their grandfather. Mm-hmm. There's nothing yeah. you can say that can convince them, even though it could just be just a leaky pipe or something. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then again, there are people who just like pathological liars. So, I mean, oh, yeah. they'll yeah. tell themselves things until they believe it. Exactly. Right. They believe their own lie. And that becomes their truth, yeah. you know? But right. sometimes, um, oh no. You, you well, go. I was going to say, this is why it's so important when you have, and I've talked about this before, when you have an experience to write it down. Because you'll, you may not even realize it at the time, but you'll start to kind of like confabulate the details, the, you know, basically either embellishing or like um, getting incorrect. You'll, you'll remember an event, not quite how it actually happened. So I encourage all your listeners out there, if something does happen, just log it, write it down as soon as possible, um, because that's going to be the purest, purest form right there. I've been doing that a lot too, man. I've been trying to do it with my dreams, especially. With, um dreams are freaky like that yeah dude but no just now ever since ever since we got into this topic like ever since that episode that we did dude i've been noticing everything man and every little thing i'll be like all right what is this what is this what is this right and it's it's crazy because sometimes things are like okay for instance i was at work and this is back when i used to work overnight shifts and i would work there by myself so i'd be alone at the store and you know 
I'd be a little freaked out because, you know, it's like three in the morning and there's no one else there. And I remember specifically this, like I, um, I went to the fridge and it was three in the morning. And I remember because every time I look at the clock for some reason at night, it's like three 33. Oh. Like, oh my God. The hash so, slasher. Yeah, Sorry. Dude, the hash <laughs> so I'm like, uh, I'm walking uh, to the fridge and then when I'm walking back, I feel something tap my shoulder and I'm like, Oh Oh, dang. But then I realized that I had tripped over a broom and the broom like hit my shoulder and I'm like, but did I really trip over the broom or like, and I'm just keep noticing all these things and I'll like, you know, it's, it's almost like what you said that sometimes you have to step away from it because I'll hear yeah. things and I'll be like, okay, that's What's that. Right? Yeah. Like that's probably the ice machine or that's the air conditioner. But then there are some things like, okay, that's the sound of the door, but the only makes that sound when something pushes it. Like, ew, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been I had this like weird, like, like experience this, this one time where I just kind of had to like blank it out. I just remembered about this right now. Like I had gotten out of the hmm. shower and then um, like I noticed that there was like this little metal ball on the floor, but I was like, no, nah, there's no metal ball on the floor. I was like, I'm just seeing things. And then, and then like, and then I stepped out and I was like, wait, is there a metal ball on the floor? Cause it was kind of in the, in the carpet. I was like, there's no way that's there. Cause I had picked it up yesterday and I put it on the counter and then I was like, all right, I'm going to look down. And if the metal ball really is there, then that's some weird shit that's happening. <laughs> and then I looked down and the metal ball was like right there. And I was like, mm, all right, you know what? I'm just going to like disregard this as like nothing. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm not even going to count this. This wasn't a ghost. <laughs> this, wasn't <laughs> this wasn't anything weird. Pure coincidence. Wait, was this before or after the podcast that we did with Justin, the first one? Um, I want to say it was before. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I want to say it was before. Wait, so, so wait, you, you're... You're taking a shower, you get out of the shower, and then you see this, like, how big was the ball? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, like it wasn't too big. It was, like, maybe a few times bigger than, like, a like a little, like, metal. It was, it was actually, like, a little, like, a, like, a little metal pellet that you shoot from, like, a pellet oh, gun. Like a, like a ball bearing or something? Yeah, or? yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, something like that. And you just happened to notice this, yeah. thought it was significant? And yeah, like, I noticed it when I got in the shower, and then it, like, mm-hmm. blurred from my vision. I was like, oh, that's not actually there, because, like, because I had remembered... That I had like picked one up and I put it on the counter and then like it was somehow still on the floor in the same exact spot where I had picked it up before, which is why I thought it was so weird because I was like, I literally just picked it up from this spot like not that long ago and put it on the counter. I was like, if it's on the floor then there's some weird shit going on and it was a demon blah blah whatever it was like it just rolled off the counter <laughs> yeah yeah but you're I mean, just like, like no let's not think about it like this yeah, is like, this nope. isn't happening yeah and this then when science. i looked down on the floor the exact same spot that i had picked it up before i was like mm, all right you know what forget what i just said like this was not a <laughs> dude ghost. i feel the same way this like was oh, nothing. sometimes i'll just be like no that's easily explained let's just yeah. not think about that exactly because right i'm about kinda, to go to bed and i don't yeah, want to you know it's like i don't want to be thinking about this i'm home alone <laughs> <laughs> my house is three stories it is way too big so is that like is that maybe like a a non-healthy way to approach it like when things do happen that you know can either be explained logically or cannot like if you just choose to ignore them is that something that or if you choose to embellish or them. if you choose to embellish them like is, is that like a healthy way to react to situations like that to certain phenomenon well i think it, it becomes unhealthy if you become obsessed with it mm-hmm. um like with anything yeah like with anything ghosts in moderation you know <laughs> in moderation it's <laughs> how i live my life yeah now i mean again you know we don't know what is causing this, right? Yeah. We don't know why there are some people who don't want to have an experience. They end up having an experience. 
Then you have people who really wish that they have a strange experience and nothing happens. Why is that? Um, it, could it be that the mind is kind of like a conduit to this stuff? Um, could it be that maybe, again, it's tied to us somehow? Um, or could it be that maybe the more aware of the phenomenon we are, the more aware of us it becomes? Um, it, again, it's all speculation. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. I'm not sure, but there <laughs> is some sort of this this connection to us, to our state of mind, to our state of being. It seems like thing weird things happen when we're in that when we're ready. F- well, not when we're ready for it, but when we're like when we're, we're like we're like open to it. When when yeah, we're in a, like least we, expectedly ready for it, right? Because like there are some people who like when we go on investigations, right? Um, we're amped. We're ready for stuff. Like we're at a heightened sense of awareness, right? And every little crack is something, you know, every little sound is something, but then we'll just kind of like realize that we'll take a break and then something real will happen when we least expect it. Usually when we turn off the recorders, off the Mm. cameras, well, what is that? I see. Um, It's playing with you again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This stuff is very elusive. It's very manipulative and it's very deceptive. So um, it's, it's a trickster. I mean, if I had to sum it up, that's what I would say it is. It's, it's just a trickster. And I think that's, 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 um, that's a good assumption because, you know, that's, that's what you always hear. You know, when you're looking for something, you'll find any excuse to make something, um, to blow it up out of proportions. Like, oh, I heard a creak in the wall. It's definitely a ghost, <laughs> you know, but, you know, maybe your mind is in that same state, but you're not, you're no longer thinking of it. And then something real will happen. Mm-hmm. And do you think that at on some level, like whatever it is, knows the way our brains work? Because, oh, absolutely. Because yeah. I know that our, you know, your the brain is a crazy powerful thing that we mm-hmm. don't fully understand either. Right. And I know that if you're in that state, you could see things. You know, people say like the mind sees what it wants, mm-hmm. but like no, but like actually though, like yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's um. There's a term that we use in paranormal investigating called matrixing, and uh, the the greatest analogy that I could draw from is see like this carpet in front of us like you stare at it and it's such a random pattern of like fabric and material and all this stuff but after a while you begin to see faces in it (laughs) yeah yep (laughs) it may not exist right that's called matrixing Mm -hmm. so a lot of times like when people send us like a a ghost photo or whatnot it's so pixelated that they'll say see the face see the shadow right there it's just pixelization you know you're seeing what you want to see or maybe there is something there um but whatever this stuff is yeah, I think it's been, I think it knows how we think. Um, there was a guy that I had met at a UFO conference um, last year. His name is Colonel John Alexander. And he calls this um, a precognitive sentient phenomenon. And um, he worked for the military and he, his, um, his job was to study this stuff. Um, and he saw some weird stuff. He was out at Skinwalker Ranch, which is a great case study if you're not familiar with it. If you just want to see how this stuff operates. This stuff studies us as much as we study it. But it has an advantage. It's been around since all of human history. It has had tons of time to study us and figure out how we operate. But he referred to it as a precognitive thing. So in other words, it was always one step or a couple steps ahead of the researchers. It knew how they would react, so therefore it reacted in a deliberate way to kind of either throw them off or make them question themselves or second-guess themselves. And this is our government that was studying this stuff. And we know now that um, there was some dollars that had gone to some of these uh, studies out at Skinwalker. 
why would the government be studying this if there wasn't something to it? That's a good question. It's yeah, like almost the same way. Like the second we turn off the recording equipment, the lights start to flicker. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it, it yeah. definitely happens all the time. Um, you know, and again, why is it? Is it trying to like throw us off off track? Is it trying to kind of like um, get us away from it? Um, here's a great example. So I was working on a presentation. Um, I don't know if I told you guys the story in the first part. If I did, stop me. But um, I was working on a presentation for a lecture I was giving on the Men in Black in um, October of last year. As I was working on this presentation, I knew I had to get it done because, like, the day was coming up, right? Mm-hmm. So they had asked me to speak on this. This would have been on a Tuesday. And for the month of October, they had different speakers every Tuesday at this one place in Bordentown, New Jersey. As I was working on the presentation, you know, I was kind of, again, getting a little stressed, right? I had to get through this. And um, what was interesting is I was in my dining room. And I want to say this was maybe about 10, 11 p.m. at night. Again, I have it logged um, exactly how it happened, but um, I was in my dining room table, I was working on the computer, and I heard this mechanical beep coming from, um, so here's my, my dining room table is at one location, and directly across from me is, I have this open space, which is part of the dining room. That's where I heard the mechanical beep, oh no, I'm sorry, I didn't hear it there, I heard it in the living room. And I thought, okay, maybe it was something outside. So I went outside, there was no one out there, but I, found, I thought it was odd. At first I thought maybe it was like a car beep or some other, but it sounded in my living room. And I, the best way to describe it is, you know how like you have like a wall unit for an AC and you like turn it off and you hear that just beep or you turn it yeah. on, like mm-hmm. right here, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You turn it off. So um, it's kind of what I heard. And I thought, oh, maybe it was my AC. But the thing is, is I had those off already. They wouldn't have turned on, you know, they could have turned on, but I didn't hear it. Um, anyways, whatever. I thought, okay, well, I'll just leave the dining room. I'll go into the living room then. So I start working on the thing. And then I hear the same sound coming from um, that area across from my dining room. And it was louder this time. Oh, okay. And it was right there. It was and, like following you. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Could have just been my mind playing tricks, but it was strange. And I thought maybe it was something in the basement. Like maybe it was... Yeah, I don't know, like one of my dehumidifiers or something. Or <laughs> like I just started, the last thing I want to jump to is the paranormal. Yeah. But it was enough to kind of make me wonder because this was so loud. Well, anyways, I gave the presentation, whatnot. Um, nothing happened weird. Two weeks after I gave that presentation on the Men in Black, um, there was another speaker who was speaking. His name was Michael, Michael and Rosalind. And... Um, the two women who organized these events, they went outside from the venue just to kind of like wait outside, right? Now, Michael and Rosalind were not talking about Men in Black. This was two weeks after. They're standing outside. They're taking like a smoke break or whatnot. And they see across the street, there's this weird character just standing up, you know, in the parking lot there. Mm-hmm. And they thought, oh, he just looked kind of odd, whatever. They look back at each other. They're talking. They look back and now this guy has already jumped across the street and now he's like right at the corner. And they're like, that was fast. Like, how did he get from there to here? And they see a little bit more detail with him, right? And he's, you know, he's kind of thin. He's dressed in all black, whatever. Then they talk. This is really weird. They start talking. They look back. He's gone. Now he's all the way down the street. Oh, my God. They're like, this is too weird. And as they're <laughs> kind of talking about it, then they look back. He's now right in front of them, right in front of the venue. And they saw this guy look like a stereotypical man in black. Oh, wow. And then they looked at each other like, where's Justin? We got to tell him this story. <laughs> they look back and now he's down the other street. Oh, man. Just in split second moments like that. Could it have been because they had that 
mindset. They were in that you know frame of mind, but they weren't though. They were they were leaving the venue. This was two weeks after the Men in Black. I just I thought about this for a while. Like, what caused this, right? Right. Because prior to me talking about this, they had no idea of who the Men in Black were. They didn't know much about them, and now here they are having an encounter, and it was really strange. Um, now, what's other? What is also peculiar is the uh, Michael who was speaking. He had seen these guys face to face, so maybe they were there for him. I don't at know. this at the same time, or was no it like, in in the past? So okay. um, maybe they're just looking for somebody, and they happen to be. Um, yeah, I, I wrote about his encounters in the book. Actually, um, it's really interesting. But they didn't appear as stereotypical men in black. He and his friends they referred to him as the Beastie Boys. That was their <laughs> that was their code name for oh, these things. Yeah, that was the next uh, story I was going to get into. Yeah, actually, before I were stopped. they like dressed as the Beastie Boys or? They were no, no. There was just because at the time the Beastie Boys were just coming out, right? Okay. And so they just they just came up with like a code name to refer to these oh, guys. Okay. Because, oh, so to not say like right, hey, okay. there they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would just be like, hey, the Beastie Boys are here. Because what was interesting about their <laughs> encounters and this group of friends, they were known as the Arcadians. They had encounters with these, you know, quote unquote Beastie Boys, um, and they felt very threatened by them, like they were kind of like observing them or like um, monitoring them. It gets into some strange territory, but again, is it the mindset that kind of creates this or what? I, I have no idea. Well, now that you mention it, um, with, with the men in black, uh, what is what is the typical men in black? So when we look at kind of like ufology and, and the history of UFOs and, and such, uh, the unofficial start... Of, of our study, of America's study into UFOs was around, you know, Roswell, right, 1947. That was kind of like the unofficial beginning, right, of modern-day ufology, even though this stuff has been existing since mm-hmm. whenever. Um, so in the 19... So after 1947, um, you had 1950 and all that such, and people were, were, were reporting their um, sightings of UFOs. Now, at that time, you have to remember... They trusted the government. They trusted military institutions. They trusted law enforcement, right? Hmm. They would, <laughs> they would. So they would phone up their sightings, and they would be like, "Hey, I saw something. This is out of the ordinary. I just want to let you know." They thought that they were doing um, a service to the country. Right? Mm-hmm. Then they started getting visits by the people who reported these. Correct. Things. Yep. The people who reported these okay. things would get visits either at their home or at their places of work or just on the street. And at first, these guys if you want to refer to them as um they would just show up and ask about their sighting but sometimes they would have a lot more information than the witnesses had actually revealed okay this is a little, little weird um and at first they thought maybe okay maybe these are just government guys or military guys whatnot because um, they would always dress in like black suits sometimes they wear black fedoras but the way that they presented and conducted themselves was a little strange it was a little off. The way that they appeared wasn't quite human. Like the way that they looked wasn't quite human. And when you start interviewing people who have had these face-to-face encounters, um, they'll uh, describe the same thing. There's just something off about these guys. They don't always dress in the typical Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> Will Smith, Men in Black image, right? Right, right. But that movie capitalized off of this whole yeah. thing. Um, so it was very popular in the 50s and... Um, People were reporting these things all over the place. The reports kind of died down after that. Um, but they didn't go away. 
And I think they kind of died down because these things are kind of um, appearing not as your, your stereotypical men in black. They're appearing as all sorts of things. They're just strange individuals. That's what I refer to them as. Okay. So it, that's a little nutshell. Do you think they have anything to do with, um, I guess you could say, like, with, with UFOs or, like, extraterrestrial it type of thing? It seems like it. Like, it I, seems like it. What I, what I was reading your book, I, I, what I understood and what I uh, the takeaway take I got was kind of like... The, the men in black movie <laughs> right in yeah. a sense like they were like okay well this guy's kind of getting involved with aliens or uh, close to getting involved with aliens figuring something out mm-hmm. um, we need to stop him or we need to like you know wipe his memory yeah um do you think about it kind of like that or well what do you... so we never hear in the reports mm-hmm. of people's memories being wiped right right usually right. when these guys show up it's either to um to threaten or intimidate witnesses or to make them feel uneasy i guess to stop the investigations sometimes not always though Mm -hmm. sometimes they're just showing up just to kind of like i don't know creep people out really it it, it's again when we try to apply our own human logic that's when we fall uh, short because it could be that like when i uh, talked about uh, the incident with with michael right doing the lecture he had an interesting take on it he said okay well maybe these things are kind of like reconnaissance Maybe they're just kind of like showing up just to gather data and then leaving. Wow. Okay. Again, this is all speculative, but the commonality that I found is the way that they conduct themselves, the way the mannerisms are, the way that they um, interact with witnesses. That seems to be pretty consistent. Um, a great example of this would be the Shane Sovar case. Now, some of your uh, listeners might be familiar with um, uh, the Buzzfeed video that went around. It was maybe 2009 or so. Um, that this incident happened. I'm just referring to my notes here. Um, yeah, it was actually, so in 2009, this guy named Shane Sofar, he had these two men in black guys show up at his workplace mm-hmm. out in Ontario, Canada. He was a hotel manager at the time, and these guys showed up, and they were caught on camera. So BuzzFeed picked up the story, and they ran it, and it went viral. So you can actually yeah. do like a search on YouTube, men in black caught on camera or caught on video camera. And that was you what you said, this. 2009, sorry? Yeah, 2009, okay. they showed up. It was Mother's wow. Day, 2009. What was interesting about it is um, Shane had taken off that day. So he never showed up at work. So these guys came looking for him. They interrogated his other employees instead. Now, these other employees had no knowledge of men in black stuff. They weren't interested. They didn't care about UFOs. They didn't even know wh- who these guys were. Yet what they were describing, these very tall individuals, these individuals that, um, in this case, they appeared like the stereotypical men in black. Right. Or black suits, black fedora, whatnot. Um, but the way that they looked at the individuals or the way they looked at the employees, they didn't even blink. They didn't have any hair on their body. They didn't have eyebrows, not even eyelashes. Wow. Little off. This one person said that it looked like they didn't even have pores. That's right. Yeah. That seems to be a common thing. Um, they don't quite look human. They're just slightly off. And sometimes they have this ability to kind of like, um, perceive thoughts too. But here's what I can't wrap my head around. If they can read minds... If they can predict things or whatever, mm-hmm. how come they didn't know the chain wasn't working that day? Why'd they show up on the <laughs> one day he took off? And he was working pretty consistently like every day. Um, he wasn't there that day and that's the day they came in. That's a, that's a good point. And they didn't yeah. really believe the employees when the employees were saying, look, he isn't here. Makes you wonder, well, what's, what's the purpose? Why are they showing up? Now, what's interesting about the Shane Sofar case is in 2008. So that was May 2009 when they show up. In around October 2008, he had a UFO sighting. It was a black triangle that flew over Niagara Falls. He had another one then a couple weeks later. 
And after that, he then had um, a poltergeist activity in his house or paranormal activity. He had, there was, there was one encounter he had um, where he was outside and he was cleaning the leaves out of his gutter of his, of his house. And this guy shows up and he goes, oh, I like what you did here. This is, uh, this is really nice. You know, I, I used, I built this house. Oh, really? Cool. All right. Let me, let me show you around. Right. So this guy's like very fascinated. Oh yeah. That's where my daughter's rolled down the hill. Blah, blah, blah. He's saying all this stuff. And then out of the blue, he's like, all right, I'm going to be going now, but I'll see you in a year. And he just takes off. What? <laughs> now this, this was, uh, this was later. So the UFO incident was October. This incident with this strange guy was around late, I want to say late October, early November, maybe 2008. Right after that, Shane then talks to um, some of his neighbors and he's like, yeah, so I saw um, the old uh, owner of this house and he he told me how he built this house and all this and the neighbor had been living there forever. And she said, wait, what did he look like? So Shane describes him. And the lady's like, that's impossible. That guy died like 15 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now what I found out later is that his wife had also talked to another neighbor about this encounter, totally separate neighbor. And that other neighbor had the same, same uh, explanation. Like what? That's impossible. After that, Shane and his family starts experiencing all this poltergeist, paranormal, paranormal activity all through his house for months. And then they had the men in black thing in May of the following year. So was the, to get back to your question, was the men of black in response to his UFO sightings or was it in response to his paranormal sightings or is it all wow. interconnected and interrelated? I don't know. Yeah. That, that makes me think it's like, um, I don't want to sound like a, a conspiracy nut, <laughs> right. but it makes me feel like, like the government is monitoring this like stuff. It's all connected. And, and it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, and this is in theory, mm-hmm. maybe the men in black are, are like government agents for real. <laughs> and it's like they're just monitoring and looking at all these like paranormal incidents or whether it's like uh, poltergeist or UFO um, experiences. And it's just like, it, it just makes me feel like yeah. that right after you said that. I was like, it would yeah. be so nice and convenient. Yeah, it would. It would. It would. It would. But <laughs> we don't. We will never really know unless. Turns we, out. The, I don't know. We could just refer to the movie as like common yeah. knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> turns out the Men in Black are the good guys. But that's what all. That's what most people think of the Men in Black. Um, is the movie. Yeah. That's it. Really. Yeah. No. Definitely. But it's based on a real phenomenon. Now that was that a modern crazy. day sighting. Yeah. Well, maybe they're not so like as good guys as more like. Um, mediators yeah mediators that, that, that was, you took the words right about that but yeah it could be um it just makes you think um then there's like and a lot of times like people will report when they're interacting with men in black um and again they're not always men in black they could be women they could be mm-hmm. people in blue and green brown whatever um but when they talk about how these people these individuals um interact they're very robotic they're very mechanical and I know earlier today I sent one um, recordings of um, what could possibly be Men in Black on tape, on like audio tape. Um, the case is uh, the Gary Sudbrick case. Right. Um, this was from the 1990s, uh, 1993. Um, Gary was an Air Force captain. He was assigned outside of uh, San Antonio, Texas. And um, I want to buy some time for you, Juan, see if you can like prep it up or whatnot. Hey everyone, this is Juan and thanks for listening. If you guys want to listen to the recordings, just head over to the next episode, which is the Spectrum Part 
Three.